as he speaks of the glory of the new birth. John in chapter 3 and verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, <coughs> unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. What does motherhood represent? One of the things motherhood reflects is God's glory as a creator. But it also reflects something of God's glory as a recreator. The reason that Jesus uses this term, born of the Spirit, is because the way he created motherhood and the way he created birth is rooted in the nature of his character and the purposes of his plans. So motherhood points us to great and glorious realities. It, it invites us to reflect something of what it is that God creates life out of nothing. And what it is that God births us anew that we might enter into a new kind of life. Motherhood has echoes of the work of the Spirit as the Spirit does this work of bringing new life that we might enter into new relationship with God. So as we think about motherhood today, we all think about it from different perspectives. Some of you are mothers and you've experienced the amazing reality of having this new person grow inside of you and to nurture this infant in your arms. Others of us have just observed that. All of us are the product of this, right? But wherever we are at today, I want us to first and to respond with a posture of worship and amazement as we consider God's plan and God's creative wonder. We have... Just a natural joy in children. We have a thankfulness and appreciation to mothers. But first and foremost, today is not about, it's not less than, but it's not ultimately about mothers. It's ultimately about God. And if we miss how God is glorified through motherhood, we'll miss His point in what He has done and how He has created these things. It is ordained by God. It's to be honored because of the honor due God who ordained it. It is to be honored because motherhood reveals something of the nature of God. It glorifies God. And at the, the very least, what I hope we will leave from today is, is, is a heart of worship, a heart of wonder, a heart that stirs us to reflect something of who God is in His creative wonder, in His creative glory, and the wonder of the new birth that is ours in Christ. But as you look at Scripture, and as you look around at life, we realize that motherhood has been profoundly impacted by sin. That's my second point. The effect 
of sin on motherhood. As we go back to Genesis, I want us to read in Genesis chapter 3. And to reflect how sin so profoundly impacted Adam and Eve and all of creation. And, they, and how they felt most acutely the consequence of their sin in the exercise of their unique roles as man and woman, as husband and wife in their labor in this world. So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. And God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. As Adam sought to subdue and have dominion of the world, he would experience pain and frustration in that labor of providing, of, of shaping a home for his family. And Eve would experience pain and frustration and difficulty in pregnancy and birthing and mothering. It's the effects of sin. It's the harm of sin, the impact of sin. And so because of sin, particularly as we think about motherhood, its impacts are are so broad. Maybe some couples are unable to conceive experience the loss of a child before birth. Sometimes a baby is born with complications. Sometimes a a child will die when still young. Griefs attached to motherhood because of the reality of sin. Sometimes a mother fails to well care for her children. And now as adults, you wrestle with the complexities of the ongoing suffering as a result of your own mother's neglect or harm towards you. Well, we could go on and list others. But the, the, the impact and harm of sin is broad and profound. It's, it's felt, the depth of sin is felt to the depth of the significance of the, our various aspects of functioning in God's world and to the, the richness and to the depth of what it is to be a mother. But sin has also impacted the, we might say, the everyday aspects of motherhood. It's demanding. It's never-ending. There can be fear and worry over the health or character of a child. There can be guilt that you should be doing more, that you should be doing better, at least as well as other mothers. Maybe temptations to envy as you see others more gifted or more suited for one task or another. You may be anxious that you don't have what's required to be a faithful mother. 
You might feel ill-equipped, unable. You may be resentful of the demands, frustrated at the repetitiveness, discouraged at the lack of quick fruit, irritated by childishness, or impatient with sin. And because of the reality of those doubts, those difficulties, those temptations, some even may choose not to have children. But here's the question, how do we respond? How do we respond as we consider the profound impact that sin has had upon the calling of the mother? I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And I want you to see how Adam responds at first. There are many responses, but let's just go to Adam for a moment. Verse 20, then the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Thank you, brother. Blessings upon you, Ethan. And the whole congregation says, Amen. (laughs) So Adam names his wife Eve. Why? Eve, Eve, Eve means life. The mother of all living. Yes, impacted by sin. But sin has not destroyed the fundamental realities of this world. Sin does not overcome what God has created. Eve would still bear children. It would be in pain. There would be difficulty. But she would still be the mother of all living. Sin cannot cancel out God's original intention. And so though we feel this effect of sin, one of the effects of sin is to tempt us to minimize the goodness and the beauty of God's creation. And we ought never to do that. We should join with Adam and celebrate Eve, the mother of all living, and to celebrate the wonder of motherhood that brings new life into this world. So firstly, what should our response be as we think about the significance of sin? Firstly, we ought not to let sin minimize our view of God's intentions and God's purposes. Sin does not prevent God being glorified in His creation, in His creative wonder of motherhood and of bringing new life into this world. God is still glorified. And when we see that and behold that, we should, should be prompted and motivated to glorify God to think on the nature and the goodness and the wonder of God. I want to go to one or two other passages as well. Flip over with me, please, to 1 Timothy 5. First Timothy 5 and verse 14. This is an extended discussion that Paul is having on the topic of widows. I'm just going to land on one verse here because I want to draw out one point of application for this morning as I'm thinking about how do we respond to the temptations of motherhood. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14. Paul encourages Timothy and encourages the church through Timothy. So would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Think of this, you got married, and you haven't had any children, and your husband dies. 
and you've, you've experienced deep sorrow, the loss of your spouse, you're, you're hoping for a family, now you don't have any children, and you don't have a spouse. There's a great temptation there to say, I don't want to enter back into that pain. I don't want to risk that pain again. And here's the encouragement from God to the church. Here's the encouragement from God to the saints. In the face of difficulty in this world, keep pursuing the good purposes and good plans of God. And so Paul encourages the, the young widows here in the church, marry, pursue the goodness that God has for you in marriage, bear children, don't be afraid, don't fear, hear my call, hear my purposes, bear children, and manage your households well. But notice what Paul then says. And give the adversary no occasion for slander. There, there are many things at work here, but, but one of the implications of this statement is when you pursue God's purposes and plans, you seek His blessings and there is great protection. In the face of sin, we can be tempted to respond to the difficulties of life in the wrong ways. But here's the call. Don't pull back from, don't shrink back from pursuing God's purposes and plans. And I think about the world we live in now. We live in a pretty unstabilized world right now, uh, May 22. We've just come out of COVID, a lot of instability there. There's instability of the threat of war. It's a long way away, but there's talk of war. There's talk of food shortages and all that that will mean. We live in a, in a country in so many ways that the culture is unhinged in its opposition to all that is good and beautiful. And we can have the thought, why would we want to bring a child into this world? And here's the calling from God. Don't shrink back. Pursue God's purposes. Pursue His wisdom. And He will grant you grace and strength. This is the call that God has for us. One other passage I want to go to, and that is 1 Timothy 2.15. Um, a verse that is not notoriously difficult to interpret. And you might say, Pastor Rodney, why are you doing this to yourself? It's in the Bible. And um, we've all read this verse and we all wrestle with it. And it's to do with this very same thing. And I want you to see the connection between 1 Timothy 2.15 and 1 Timothy 5.14. I think Paul is, has, has some similar dynamics in mind here. This verse, let me just read verse uh, 15. So this is 1 Timothy 2.15. Actually, I'll start in verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she shall be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So there's um, this word being saved through childbearing. If you just read this superficially, it's like, if you're, not, if you're an unbeliever and you're headed to hell, if you have children, you'll get to heaven. Is that what it means? And superficially, that, you might think that what, that's what it means. But as we look at Scripture, we know that salvation to eternal life is through faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone. We are born again through faith alone. So this word saved 
is, we might use, use, say it's a common, it's an ordinary Greek word. It can have a special spiritual meaning, spiritual salvation, or it can just be an ordinary word to speak of rescue or escape or prevention. Um, so you might rescue a bug out of the water so it doesn't drown. Right? You're just saving it out. You, you, you're delivering it from, from the water. So there are common ways to use this word. So as, as we look at this verse, we're going to, well, what, what might it mean? In what way might the, the woman be preserved or rescued? Or what escape might there be in pursuing the bearing of children? Well, a few more observations as we seek for some kind of answer in this verse. Firstly, the woman represents women in general. If you look at verse 15, notice what Paul says here. Yet she will be saved through childbearing. She, maybe, maybe you might say maybe that's referring just to Eve. But then Paul changes and look at the pronoun, the second part of the verse, if they continue in faith. So he seems to be having in mind women in general. Um, what is it that she escapes or what danger is she preserved from? The, the, the implication from verse 14 would be a preservation from the danger of Satan. And the preservation is by means of childbearing. So at the very least, as we look at this verse, we can make the observation that there is significant blessing in pursuing the great and noble calling of motherhood. And in that pursuit, women should not shrink back from that, but pursue that. There's an encouragement to pursue that. And in the pursuing of that, there are good things for the woman. She ought not to be intimidated by potential attack or temptation by Satan. One of the things that I think is important for us to notice here is, is that in, in this passage, which, which is filled with a lot of complexity, there are a lot of issues at work here, but, but I, I want you to be intrigued that when Paul is talking here about the role of men and women and the threat of Satan and the way there can be great disruption when we, get, when we misunderstand God's purposes for men and women, what Paul raises here is, is childbearing and the goodness of childbearing and the blessing of pursuing this. This, this is so significant and so good that Paul puts it here as a central part of his argument. So how do we respond to the fact that sin has come in and Made life difficult, particularly if you think about mothering today. How should we respond? We should not shrink back from pursuing the goodness and the blessing there is in bearing children and bringing forth life into this world. There is an enduring call to be fruitful and to multiply. Finally, as you look at verse 15. There's this if statement. If they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. This pursuit of childbearing, this pursuit of mothering is to be a, be a pursuit 
filled with faith, filled with confidence in God, filled with dependence upon the Spirit of God. And when you pursue this, there is a guarding, there is a preserving that happens. I want you to see how flipped this is in our world. What does our world say? If you want to pursue woman what is good, there are lots of ways to do it, and usually parenting is an interruption. Do you see how that narrative is completely opposite to what we see here in Scripture? We be the people who are renewing our minds according to God's purposes and plans for life here in His world. Well, we've looked briefly at the beauty, the dignity, the goodness of motherhood and reflected something of how sin affects motherhood. And I want to finally consider the grace of Christ for motherhood. We've been touching on that in a little and just responding to the effects of sin. But the task of motherhood is so grand, so immense, so overwhelming, that it's not surprising that without the hope of Christ, it would be something to shrink back from. It's not surprising that when, that when you reject the Creator and you reject His intentions, you, you, you reject the creational intent, the creational instinct for new life. How great is our need for the grace of Christ to be at work in our lives, not just the lives of mothers, but all of us, that we might have a renewed and rich vision for God's purposes and God's plans for motherhood. Now, as we, as we think of grace and we think of sufficient grace for all of life, and particularly as we think of grace for motherhood, I don't have time to explore uh, uh, lots of things that are, I think are important to consider. And so I want to touch on a few uh, here initially as I might say representative. Because as, as we think about the effect of sin on motherhood, we're thinking about deep pain as well as lots of difficulty. And I don't want to minimize the deep pain that some of you have felt as a result of sin, the fall in your lives as mothers. I don't want to ignore it. I want to mention it. I want to speak of the grace of Christ briefly, and I hope as you hear that, you don't hear me minimizing the difficulties there can be. I want you to hear me honoring the challenges and difficulties there can be. Well, I know some of you here, I like my sister and brother-in-law, who are unable to have children. I remember my sister, as long as I have memory of my sister, she wanted to get married and have kids. And that is not something that's been a part of her and Andrew's life. Where is grace? Where is the hope of Christ here? One of the things that we read Scripture, Scripture does not minimize the effect of sin. It doesn't minimize the grief and pain that there can be in this. But as we look at Scripture, we see God is a redemptive God. He doesn't erase sin, this side of glory. He doesn't erase the effects of sin. But His, power, His grace is so powerful and so mysterious that it, that it works in the middle of difficulty and grief and pain so that God meets us in unique ways in His grace. So, 
God's grace is powerfully at work through circumstances in this world that are far from the pre-fall ideal. God works powerfully in the life of an individual who maybe doesn't marry. And God also powerfully works through the couple who does not have children. And we recognize that is a unique suffering for the woman that is distinct from the grief that the man might experience in that situation. God knows your suffering. He knows your grief. And He is a unique way of ministering to you and knowing His presence and power. And He has a unique ministry through you and in you. And that is demonstrated in that God loved us so much that He sent His Son into this world to redeem us to be His children. And if God is powerful to do that that way, He is also powerful to work in your lives as well. Well, statistically, I also know that this morning, there are a few of you here who grieve in a unique way as well because you grieve over your choice when you were younger for choosing an abortion. And I want you to know I'm praying for you today. And I want you to remind you again of God's incredible mercy and grace to forgive you. And that your heavenly Father now delights to display His grace in your life. And that He is powerful to work in ways you cannot imagine in light of that past in your life. And I want to minimize that. And those of you here who that's not your experience, you don't know who they are, I want you to pray for them today. That they would know God's grace in their lives. What we're talking about here as we think about the the depth of grief that, that can be around this is we're, we're realizing the depth of the wonder and the beauty that God has created in motherhood. The, the, the sharpness of sin is felt because of the wonder and the glory and the goodness that there is in God's creative purposes for mothers. I want to touch on a few other areas as I think about God's calling to motherhood its significance, and the responsibility to steward that gift. And as I'm talking, I'm not just talking to mothers, of course, I'm talking to all of us. We all have a responsibility, some because you're mothers, and those who aren't mothers, we have a responsibility to serve you, help you as mothers. So we're all in this together, but in different ways, of course. So my first encouragement as I think about what it is to depend upon the grace of Christ, how do we do that, how do we stir up faith? Firstly, trust the Creator. It kind of goes back to my first point and what we've been talking about all along. When the mountain of laundry seems insurmountable, when the tiredness becomes all-encompassing, deliriously so, when you're tempted to think that life is filled with futility, dirty diapers, what a what a metaphor for futility, right? When you consider that you're pursuing the divine calling of being a mother, 
fill your heart with this. You're engaging in tasks that are, that, that they are menial in, in many ways. But there's a profundity about what is at work here. There's a profound spiritual significance to what you are doing as a mother. Meditate on the plan of the Creator. He has designed you, uniquely designed you for this great task. And God is glorified. God is imaged in your work as a mother. It is not just imaged in like the snapshots of the the glorious aspects of motherhood. But God is glorified in the nitty-gritty, day-to-day, in-and-out labor of mother, of, of the mother's work. God is glorified in you. God is glorified when you faithfully image your Creator. Be inquisitive about how your life as a mother is an invitation of God for you to consider more deeply and more richly the nature of your Heavenly Father. And for the rest of us, do you delight in? Do you recognize? Do you see glimpses of God's glory in your wife as she mothers, in your mother, in other mothers around you? Is it your instinct to praise God and say, God, you're amazing. I'm reminded of your creative wonder as I look at new life, as I look at a pregnant woman. Do you seek for ways to encourage and appreciate and build up? I remember um, this is like a step away of the existential reality. I remember early years we're in church. One of our children was just a handful and for whatever reason, Aaron was like the main one there. And, and a lady came up to her after the service and said, hang in there. Keep going. Keep being faithful. It's hard. But keep being faithful. What a tremendous encouragement that was to Aaron. Look for ways to encourage one another in the, in the hard and difficult and glorious work of mothering. So firstly, trust the Creator. Renew your minds according to His purposes and plans. Secondly, consider your salvation and future hope. I just want to go to Titus chapter 2 for a minute. Titus 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us up to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who is zealous for good works. I'm applying this to, to, to motherhood today. There is, there is a call to renounce worldly thinking and desires. It's spiritual warfare in the trenches as a mother. The temptations of Satan... The lies of Satan to distort your view of the great and glorious and noble task of motherhood is there and present and constant. And if you don't endure that, you need to renew your mind to renounce worldly thinking and desires and be zealous for good works. Is not motherhood a good work? Be zealous for the good work of being a mother. Root your labor your weariness, your sense of inadequacy, the, 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 
the endurance that's required, root this in the great hope of the gospel. You need endurance, a unique endurance for a unique role. But the secret to that endurance is not unique. The secret of that endurance is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Waiting for his blessed, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. As we wait with anticipation. As you wait for anticipation, your heart is being cultivated to consider this is not merely about a dirty diaper. This is about the creator who creates life and has entrusted life into your hands. And you're imaging his life-sustaining, life-creating goodness. It's a great and glorious calling that you have. For the rest of us, we're to live in light of the gospel. And when we live in light of the gospel of hope, it just bubbles over, doesn't it? We might be struggling in different areas, maybe husband, um, children, adult children. By your life and by your steady faith and by your steady hope in the future glory of salvation, you can be an encouragement to those mothers around you. And finally, be aware of your utter inability doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? Be aware of your utter inability and hope in Christ. Let me just go to two passages. John chapter 15. These are really familiar to you, but I, I, I just want to put our minds here. John chapter 15 and verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can bear nothing. The, can we say the primary arena of fruit bearing is in your role as a mother. And, and the fruitfulness of your life is connected to your abiding in Christ. Your life. One other passage, that is Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 and verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Motherhood is not an interruption to spirituality. Motherhood is not an interruption to your ability to grow in Christ-likeness. It is the place that God has given for you to know in unique and profound ways Christ's sufficiency and the power of the Spirit to give you the endurance and the joy in the nitty-gritty of mothering. It's in the nitty-gritty of mothering that you experience temptation, and it's in the nitty-gritty of mothering that you experience the glorious, sufficient grace of Christ through His Spirit. Spirit-filled mothering. Praise God that what is 
a task too great in your own strength is not in the strength and the grace of Christ. Mothering is not an interruption to your spiritual life. It's one of the primary ways that you will experience the powerful ministry of God's Spirit. And as a mother, just because of the way God created this world, you get to experience the ministry of the Spirit in unique ways that those who aren't mothers don't experience. We get to that uniqueness in all different kinds of life, right? Because we all have different kinds of experiences. But that's the beauty of God's grace and His goodness. Well, in conclusion, just a few comments for those of us who are not mothers. We honor God as we honor motherhood and those who are living out that calling. Honor Him. Delight in His purposes and His plans. Recognize the wisdom of His creation, the wisdom of His intentions as you think on what it is to be a mother. Maybe spend some time just reflecting and thinking and observing. Say, what have I missed? What do I take for granted? Where have I not seen God's glory in this noble task of mothering? Lord, open my eyes to see it. Open my eyes to see Your glory that I have not seen because I've been so self-centered or so distracted. Remind the mothers in your life of these great truths. Encourage them in their work. Look for ways to ease their burdens. Pray for them in particular ways. Children, you can pray something more than, Jesus, bless mommy. Right? Lord, sometimes I'm not a very good child. Would you help mom to be faithful to parent me? I saw she was really impatient this afternoon. I'm thinking it was one of my siblings. <laughs> but would you, would you give her patience? Thank you, Lord, for how my mom loves me. For how she cares for me. For how many meals she's cooked for me. For how many times she's hugged me. And how many times you have tasted of God's love and God's care and God's goodness through the love and the care and the goodness of your mother. God is blessing you and as it were training your hearts to learn something of God's nature through the nature of your mother, the task of your mother. So encourage and affirm and honor and express thankfulness. Express thankfulness to those mothers around you for their labor, for their care, for their concern. Express thankfulness for how God has blessed you through them. And pray for ways that you might see their sacrifice in fresh ways. Let's close in prayer.